Welcome to Shouts of Grace Radio, hosted by Pastor Steve Pearson of Redemption Hill Church in Eagle Mountain, Utah. At Shouts of Grace Radio, it's our purpose to encourage you to see the Bible as God's source of truth for everyday life and grace as the foundation for a genuine relationship with God. Today, we're taking a break from our regular format to listen in on a Sunday sermon given by Pastor Steve at Redemption Hill Church. Now, get your Bible ready and follow along. You know, if you're new to Redemption Hill or, you know, you're visiting for the first time, you're looking for a church home, I'll let you know what you can expect. And we say this all the time. We're a very relational church. Um, You know, we don't, we we believe that, you know, you're not going to see a separation between the people and the congregation, right? We're very much a part of people's lives and vice versa. And when people come here and they fit in, they're a part of people's lives. And one of the things that we do here is we do honor God's word. We honor the Bible, and we're going to teach through it. And we're going to teach through it even when we have difficult things that we have to talk about, right? I believe the Bible gives us instruction in righteousness for every area of life. And if we shy away from that because it's going to offend some people, then we're really not honoring God, you know? Um, so, so when we go uh, verse by verse or chapter by chapter and we come across certain topics or things that we need to talk about, we need to talk about what God has to say about it. Um, and what I, what, what I have to say, in my opinion, doesn't matter. Your opinion ultimately doesn't matter. Your experiences in life will play into your decisions, but they don't determine truth, right? God's word determines truth, and it's our job to digest it and then wrap our worldview and our beliefs around it. Now, there will be times when it'll hit you like a 90-mile-an-hour fastball right between your eyes, and you may not accept it at first. It might be a little hard, but, but here's what I've had happen often is I would read something. I'm like, gosh, that's just really hard, Lord, to swallow, and, and, and I'll walk away from it for a little bit, and God will bring me back to it, and, and I ultimately see it his way, right? And so that's that's one of, the, one of the distinguishing marks of a Christian. You can't love Jesus and live life and see life however you want, right? Ultimately, God's going to grab hold of you, and, and you're going to see things his way. Um, and the reason I'm bringing this up is we're in Mark's gospel, chapter 10 this morning. We've been going through Mark, and now we're in chapter 10. And because of the nature of what we're going to talk about um, today... Um, over the next two weeks, I've, I've broken this up into two parts. And um, because it is, it is something that a lot of people um, struggle with. In Mark chapter 10, verses 1 through 12, that's where we're going to be launching out, Jesus teaches on divorce. Um, now, the truth is, you know, if I were to ask for a show of hands, how many of you in here, in some way, whether you, your personal self, have experienced it? or you've been a part of, you know, experiencing it through someone else. How many of you here have been affected in any way by divorce? Raise your hand. Yeah, most of you in here, right? Whether, whether you've gone through it yourself or whether your parents have gone through it, right? If, if you've gone through it, you, you understand how devastating it can be, right? Um, I grew up in a single-parent home, and, and my mom was married five times and divorced five times. And and so I, I understand there, it creates an instability, f- certainly for young kids, but it also creates an instability inside of a person because w- when you attach yourself to someone in marriage and then that dissolves, 
it, it shakes you. It shakes your confidence. And, and for a lot of people, they, they have a hard time in relationships because they don't trust anymore. And so divorce is something that, that is a part of our culture and our society. And you know what? God has something to say about it. And so I think we would be wise to listen to him. Now, as you're going through the book of Mark, kind of like he does with all the rest of the subjects, he just kind of blows through this one. He, he doesn't share everything. You're kind of left like, you know, with your fork and knife in your hand, and, and he shares it, and then you're like, oh, okay, I'm just ready to dig in and cut it, and then he moves on, right? And so what I want to do over the next couple of weeks is I want to I pull in from multiple gospels as well as other places in the New Testament and as a whole determine what God says about this because it matters. But before we start that, before we talk about the end of a marriage, let's talk about what it was designed for. Let's talk about, you know, I don't want to just talk about the bad part. You know, why did God make this thing, right? Some of you guys are asking that question today, like, why did God make this thing, you know? Like, you know, there's, there's a reason behind it. And if you summed it up, the whole of the institution of marriage is about companionship between two people. Um, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, then the Lord said, it is not good that man should be alone, but I will make him a helper that is comparable to him, or I will make a helper for him. Notice, it's not good that man should be alone. Marriage was designed for companionship, right? And that's why God made it. And it's interesting that he says there, I'm going to make him a helper. Another version says that's fit for him. In other words, if you're married, Okay, and God is the, the author of that marriage. You didn't just go off and do whatever you wanted to do, despite what your friends said and what the Bible said and about what the Lord said. If God's the author of that marriage, then that person is fit for you. Okay? The word fit there means they are exactly what you need. They are perfect. And I know that is a hard thing to hear for some of you, <laughs> right? Because you're like, dude, like, really? Yes, they're fit for you. In other words, that person... Has, has a number of purposes, right, that, that fit great with you. It, you know, it doesn't mean that they think the same way you think or they act the same way you act. Like, you know, I bet if I ask, you know, how many of you guys here married your opposite? Raise your hand. Yeah, exactly, right? You're like, there couldn't be a more opposite person in the world, right? I don't want to start any fights here either, by the way. I'm just telling you right now, right? <laughs> And if you're here and you're single, and if you're here and you're single, you're going to get married one day. So you're going to want to listen real carefully, right? Because this would be, um, this will be the second greatest decision you make in your life, the first being your decision for Christ. But they're fit for you. Like, they, they are meant to rub you certain ways. They're meant to hone you, right? The, the things that tick you off, they will probably perfectly do, right? And it's designed by God because he wants to kill you. Literally, <laughs> he, wants to, he wants to destroy your flesh, you know, and the selfishness that's in you. So he will put you with a person that is perfect for that, right? And it's interesting, you guys, the marriage consists of two equal contributors, right? In other words, you know, I know it's going to be hard for some of you here, but but there isn't one more right than the other, 
right? There isn't one and all the guys are doing like this and the girl's doing like this. There isn't one more, you know, holier than the other, right? God has two people in a union and both contribute equally to the success of that covenant or to the demise of it. So I know that when things are going rough, everybody likes to, you know, in the union likes to blame the other, but the truth is you bring your garbage to it, right? You bring your contribution. And so nobody is more responsible for, like I've heard people say in marriage counseling, well, the only reason we're married is because of me. And I'm just like, well, do explain, brother. Like, you know, well, you know, I, the, the problem is our, we have marriage problems because, you know, just, just doesn't do what I tell him to do. Okay. You know, everyone contributes to the health or, the, to, or to the demise of that, of that union. You guys, God's grace in marriage, real important, is said to be one man and one woman. Okay. Make it clear. Why do we take such a stance on that today? Why is that important? Is it important? Yes, it is important because this is how God made it. This is how he designed it, one man and one woman, right? If, if, if God says to the man and the woman, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, what he's saying is creation will continue through this union that God designed. God did not design it any other way because if he did, the, the, the creation would stop, right? Mankind would disappear. So when we take this stance, it's not because we're trying to be jerks. It's because we're saying if we go back to the very beginning when God finished creation and he said, it is good, it was one man and one woman and for that purpose. And listen, in that marriage, you guys, grace was expressed by God in what, would, in what we would experience in what would be kind of a threefold intimacy that would make up companionship. What do I mean by that? Threefold intimacy, intimacy, intimacy meaning there's a physical intimacy, there's an emotional intimacy, and there's a spiritual intimacy for Christians, right? So like I told first service, I'll tell you, I'm going to put a disclaimer out there. I have spent time in churches where pastors or leaders will talk about this from the front. And then I, you know, 20 minutes into it, I feel like, man, I'm a terrible husband. I'm a, I'm a terrible dad. And man, I wish my, wish my marriage was like his. I wish my kids were like his, right? And, and oftentimes, here's what happens. People like to teach on a subject from the west side of the Jordan. What do I mean by that? And I've shared this with some of you before. On the east side of the Jordan, before the Israelites crossed over, that's where all the judgment was. That's where they wandered for 40 years. That's where they made their mistakes and they sinned against God. And then when they crossed the Jordan, they entered into the promised land where it was victory and they took land. And a lot of times people like to deal with subjects by saying, you know, I remember back when I used to struggle with this. I remember back when our marriage was like this, and I remember back when I did this, and, and it's, just, it's, just, it's as if they're saying, you know, now that I'm on the west side, let me tell all you people that are broken how I'm fixed and how to get there, right? So let me be dead honest with you. Um, I'm right there with you, okay? So that's my disclaimer is I'm going to share with you what God has shown me for almost 30 years of marriage. Um, I have grown a lot. My wife has grown a lot, but we are far from where we were and we're not where we want to be. Okay. So when I'm sharing this with you, this ain't me giving you some nuggets of wisdom so you can look at it and go, oh man, he's just got the perfect marriage. If you guys know me, you know that ain't true. 
right? It ain't even close to being true. But I want to throw that out there because I don't want you to walk out thinking that you're more broke than anybody else, um, you guys. But the truth is this. Marriage was made for companionship, and unfortunately, a lot of marriages today resemble a prison cell, um, and more specifically, solitary confinement. It was meant for companionship, but there are many marriages today that they've never been more alone, and they've never been more by themselves. It can be the greatest thing on earth, right? I mean, how many of you know it can be the greatest thing on earth? And you know what? It can also be the most miserable, right? I will never understand how one person, and she'll tell you the same thing, I could find so much pleasure and joy in one moment, and then 20 minutes later, not like a person very much. <laughs> like, how could this person have that much control over me in a 20-minute span? It ain't like she did anything, right? It's like she just looked at me wrong or said something wrong, and, and then my mind filled in the rest. You guys, marriage can be great, and it can be miserable, you guys. And what contributes to that? There are three things that um, contribute to what God designed, okay? And I want to look at each of those because before we look at what happens when a marriage ends, uh, we have to look at what God designed first, okay? Because we are going to go back to what God originally designed. So when companionship is lacking, there are some contributing factors. Number one, there's an emotional part, okay? There is a need for emotional intimacy where a person's soul, you guys, has companionship with their spouses. And when I mean their soul, I mean their mind and their intellect. This is the kind of compassion or, or, or companionship that's stimulated with conversation and communication with kindness and respect. And I know every man cringes when I say that, right? But that's exactly what emotional stimulation is. There, there's, there's a meeting of, of your souls. You're, you're, you're investing in, in showing value by listening and expressing and talking. And so oftentimes in marriage, what happens is one will really desire that, usually the woman, and the man is wired a little different, right? And so he doesn't, he's not good at talking. He's like, oh, yeah, oh, eh. right? One word answers, drives women crazy, right? Like, can, can we talk a little bit more about this? Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, can you push like the boat off the dock, dude? Like something, give me something to work with, right? And so when a person doesn't feel valued, when they don't feel listened to, um, and, and incidentally, you know, in, in our marriage, my, my wife's number one complaint is always, you don't listen to me, right? You, you don't listen to me. I, I, I feel like, like she'll start talking and she'll stop and she'll go, hello, I'm right here, Hello. And I'm like, huh? Yeah, I'm listening to you. Uh, we can hear, like we hear, we really can. <laughs> you, know, we could, we, you know, we could do other things, but she wants eye contact. She wants to know what I say matters to you, right? And for whatever reason, you know, men have a hard time with that, right? We don't, we don't multitask well in our mind. And so women want, I want your attention. This is important. And then when I forget, you know, then, she, then you know, it's even, it's even worse. But that's the number one complaint. So listen. That comes through talking. It comes through communicating. Um, you know, many, many eons ago, uh, Pastor Joe and Kathy, you know, were talking to me and my wife when we were going through one of our seasons of, um, you know, more discussion 
about, um, about how things were going. And they had said a long time ago, you know, when you guys get home, do you like take the first 15 or 20 minutes and just sit and talk to each other, right? And see how your day was. I don't know if you guys remember that. Um, but anyway, it was great advice. And we, we didn't take it at first. We're like, well, that's, that, you know, like, <laughs> but, but we ultimately years later would, and, and we'd sit down and, and I don't let the kids involved or nothing. I just say, how was your day? And I sit there and, and I let her explain, right? And then I share with her and first 15 minutes, right? Anyway, all that to say, when couples struggle in this area, you guys, you're often going to hear complaints and here's what they'll sound like. I feel like I'm alone in this marriage. Okay? I feel like the only thing you care about is you. I feel like you never listen to me. And every time we start to talk, you find a way to walk away and get up and leave in difficult conversations. In fact, there are some times um, that you only listen to me when I feel you want something from me, usually 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> when I talk to you, you always treat me like I'm stupid. When do you, um, why do you always need to be right and I'm always the one that's wrong? I feel like every time I say, um, it, I feel like everything I say is taken and used against me to tear me down. I don't feel like we're married, I feel like we're roommates, right? These are things that all of you, most of you, have said at one time, right, men or women, and what they are is they're indicators that there is some sort of lack of emotional companionship because one of the spouses is reaching out to say, I want to connect with you. That doesn't mean it's indicative of your whole marriage. It might be. It might just be a season you're going through, and you need to reorient yourself around the fact that there isn't any communication with you. There's no intimacy there. And if people don't feel like they're stimulated, here's what will often happen. They will ridicule. Why will they ridicule? Why will they, why will they resort to criticizing their spouse? Because they're hurt. They're hurt and they're trying to express they don't want to hurt. I want something different. And the truth is you're the only one that can fix this. You're the, you're the one that's in this marriage. If you don't do it, nobody else can. Nobody else can emotionally fulfill me. And if they can, uh-oh, because that's usually where problems come in. And so when that's not happening and criticizing takes place, you hear a whole host of things. You know, how come, you know, the, the, the house is messy? How come you haven't washed the dishes? How come you haven't folded your clothes? Or, you know, how come you're, you know, you leave your hair all over the floor? Your clothes are, you know, all over the, the floor. I mean, the hamper's right there, dude. Pick them up. It's like six inches away. Like, why is it, you know, incidentally, when we first got married, everyone's got the same problems, right? Um, you know, I... I I just, you know, I play basketball. I'd shoot, and I, I'm just a terrible basketball player, so I just missed the hamper, right? And so my clothes were all around the hamper, and nothing was in it. And Trisha came from a place where her mom did everything for her. So, so now you got a terrible basketball player with clothes meets the person who did, had everything done for him, and she walks in one day, and she sees all the clothes around the hamper, and she was upset. She's like, dude, I don't understand why you can't just put them right in the hamper. It's like right there. And I'm like, because I wasn't near the hamper. I was six feet, 10 feet, 12 feet away. Like, you know, if, otherwise I would have put them in the hamper, right? And so there was, there was tension there with us, you know? Um, but here's the deal, folks. When we're intimate emotionally and we're listening to our spouse and what they need, and listen, here's what's important. Each is valid in what their need is. Men's needs emotionally are different than they are for a female. A female will, will want, to, want to look at you and they'll want, want you to express what you're thinking. And I know, guys, I get it. It's really hard for you. 
you, you got to do it. You, you got to understand she's wanting this. This is what will help your marriage and help your relationship. And women understand there's only so much that he could do. There's only so much he could take in that. So if you could break it up in segments and give him like a spoonful at a time, you'll accomplish much more what you want. But understanding each other, and, and this is what the scripture says when it says, husbands, dwell with your wives according to understanding. In other words, you know what she wants. And don't tell her she's stupid for wanting that. Don't say, well, well, this is what I need. Well, you know, I don't know what to tell you. That, that's not a good answer, right? You're the only one who can meet it. So you're going to have to dwell with each other according to understanding. And when that emotional part is there, you guys, there's companionship. It's at a different level. Some of you know what I'm talking about because that part of your marriage is deeply lacking and you feel separated from your spouse this morning. You feel like, I don't feel like they know me. I don't feel like they understand me. I don't feel like they want to be around me. And the reason is, is because there's no emotional connection there, right? You, you love them. You love her. But there's a, there's a need you have and God made us this way. And in the covenant of marriage, you're the only one that can fulfill it, right? The second is the physical companionship. The marriage covenant is the only place, and let me emphasize only, it is the only place where God has ordained the sexual union between a man and a woman to be acceptable. It is the only place, okay, between a man and a woman. Anything outside of that the Bible calls fornication, and the word fornication is a, is a general term. It's porneia in the Greek. It's where we get our English word pornography. It is a general term to describe sexual explicit behavior outside of marriage, and it really refers to a whole lot of stuff, right? It's not just one thing. It's a lot of things, and what God is saying is that any, any expression of a union outside of marriage is forbidden, right? You say, well, I mean, that's a little old school, Steve. That's like a Jesus time vibe, you know? Like, we love each other, <laughs> you know? I mean, isn't that the most important thing, that we love each other? Love is love, so it really doesn't matter. No, it does matter because God established within the covenant of marriage what would be okay and what wouldn't, right? And anything outside of that is sin. Listen to Galatians 5.19. The works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, those who do these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Here is what he is saying. He is saying that if a person's life is characterized by these things, then there is no evidence of salvation that's present because salvation entails a changed life, not a perfect life, not a, you know, a, a, a holier-than-thou life, but a life that's being transformed. So if a person's living in this, there's no change, then what God is saying is those who practice that won't inherit the kingdom of God. The first thing on the list is sexual immorality. It's the word porneia. It's this idea that you can express yourself sexually outside of the confines of marriage however you want, and there's no repercussions for it. Now, I understand that there are times when things happen and, and people stumble into something, they choose it, they fall, and 
God's going to use it to break them, and he's going to use it to, to do something because he takes the evil that's, you know, and he turns it around for good, and, and he does things, and he heals it. He's not for it. But listen, if a person makes the conscious choice to live in something and say, love is love, and it doesn't matter what God says, it's what I say, then what God is saying is, listen, there's no evidence of his imprint on their life, on their soul. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Shouts of Grace Radio with Pastor Steve Pearson. We hope that you've been encouraged to see the Bible as God's source of truth for everyday life and grace as the foundation for a genuine relationship with God. If you've been encouraged in your journey following and learning more about Jesus, we would love to hear from you. You can visit us online at shoutsofgraceradio.com. At shoutsofgraceradio.com, you can listen to all of our episodes, share them online with your friends, and find out more about Pastor Steve. Shouts of Grace is an outreach of Redemption Hill Church in Eagle Mountain, Utah. Thank you again for joining us on today's show. And from all of us at Shouts of Grace, it is our prayer that you would grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ.